Welcome to Episode 7 of Taken Off the Ritz. I'm Dan Garman. Last week, Netflix released an American reality TV show version of the hit 2021 series Squid Game, in which contestants simply play the kids' games from the series for a $4.56 million grand prize. If you're not familiar with the original Squid Game series, it's an absolutely searing indictment of our late-stage capitalistic society. Essentially, people who are financially or legally on the brink of absolute ruin in their lives are invited to put their lives on the line to play a series of children's games in which the losers are killed, Battle Royale style. Spoiler alert for those who haven't seen it yet, the most devastating rule is that contestants can band together and vote to end the game once and for all at any point by majority rule. Early in the series, the entire contestant base initiates a poll and then votes to stop the game, and they return back to their previous lives. We witness them gradually realize that their previous lives are so unmanageable that they all eventually willingly return to the game to potentially sacrifice themselves for the chance of winning a life-changing sum of money. What makes Squid Game so profoundly terrifying is that, much like Black Mirror and other shows of this variety, it's not actually a difficult situation to imagine happening in real life. Millions of people might actually sign up for a thing like this that a wealthy few elites create, even if the stakes were death. Of course, Netflix now owns the intellectual property rights to Squid Game. In interviews, the creators of the original series revealed that their contract was just a flat fee deal, and thus they are entitled to zero royalties in perpetuity. Since Netflix now has complete control, they want to squeeze the profit out of their new intellectual property as much as humanly possible, so they created a tone-deaf reality version of the show, where contestants simply play the games with a few small twists. In the reality show, contestants aren't actually risking their lives, although interviews with contestants reveal that the conditions during filming were, ironically, incredibly grueling, bordering on torturous. The contestants aren't killed in this version, but rather spattered with some fake blood and eliminated if they lose one of the children's games. To add insult to injury, multiple major publications have recently reported that Netflix hasn't paid the winner their $4.56 million as of this episode being recorded. I think that this new reality series is literally a perfect microcosm of the state of today's entertainment industry. Production houses are so hungry to increase profits quarter by quarter by whatever means necessary, that they will do so at literally any cost, including invalidating and honestly downright violating the very premise of their most successful show they've ever released. The whole thing makes my heart ache. It feels like a scene from the movie Idiocracy, which if you haven't seen, I highly suggest you watch. I can only hope that we will reach some sort of rock bottom where we look at each other individually and as a society and have a serious reckoning with just how far off the rails we've gone in order to chase profit over any semblance of humanity. 
It's moments like these that remind me why I love having conversations for this podcast. And today's conversation with Xavier Boyer digs into the core of many of these issues. Zave is a prolific lighting and laser designer turned high-end audiovisual production supervisor. He designed the lasers for the off-Broadway hit show Emoji Land, and he has installed audio and video in some of the largest new venues across the Northeast. He's also an endurance runner who was recently mugged and left for dead, yet he is back and he's running ultra marathons. His story is incredibly inspiring, and it is my pleasure to welcome Xavier Boyer to Taken Off the Ritz. All right, I'm here with Zav Boyer. Boyer, did I say that yeah. somewhat correctly? <laughs> yeah, I mean Boyer. Boyer. You're not like fancy French. You're not like say this Boyer. Boyer. I'm not gonna lie. A lot of like people will say my name like 100 percent wrong. I just don't correct them. What's like the most wrong you've ever gotten? Uh, Xavier Boyd. I love that. <laughs> it's like oh, one time I uh, I got a, an award for a swimming competition when I was like eight and they, they uh, wrote Don Spearman on the back of my, <laughs> anyway, I'm here with Zave and uh, I'm so glad you're here because this is the first in-person uh, recording that I've done. So man, it's like it's something else entirely. I'm really informed, really glad that you're here. I'm yeah, really looking forward to talking. Um, so maybe if you just want to give like a bit of an overview about what you've been up to recently, what you're doing, uh, just to give people some context, and then we'll just kind of go from there. Sweet. Yeah. Um, right now, I work as a um, more or less like a designer for uh, like a really high-end audiovisual company. So we do everything from like libraries to like big corporate org rooms and kind of everything in between we do like a lot of um government municipal work so that's like anything it's like a library a school a city hall city council chambers like stuff like that um we have a big specialization in like hybrid zoom meetings we also build like concert venues and like arenas and some do a lot of houses of worship. So it's like kind of anybody that needs like tech per se. Um, and then on the, the non like work side, sure. Like run and I'm very into like endurance training. Yeah. I mean, I think those, it's interesting to see how those two things go together because I mean, I think compared to I don't know, me where like, I was a pianist growing up and, and there's a, you know, it's, it's sedentary in a sense. I mean, you've kind of your, the work that you've done for a while is pretty intensely physical. So I'm, I'm excited to hear kind of like how that all organically developed. Um, but yeah, so from my understanding, so, so you also, you went to school for design technology. Is yeah. that correct? Yeah. It was like, um, yeah, there were, I think it's five concentrations, but like you have to get the same degree. It's just like your actual training based on what like focus you pick or whatever. And I might pick the like lighting 
focus, which I didn't come in as. I just like changed oh, really? that later. Yeah. Oh, I didn't, what did you come in as? I came in as like a stage manager, which is kind of full circle because like that's more or less what I do again. It's oh, like the that. like more head of management side of it. But I also feel like that was probably good because I was already good at that. And I was like mm-hmm. less good at the actual design aspect. So like getting the training in design, though it was like, on all bad experience was at least useful yeah cool man so i could yeah so take us take us back a bit so you know growing up like how did you find your way to applying well what made you want to work in the arts what made you want to what made you choose theater what are some early experiences that you had either you know, professionally or in school or things that kind of just shaped the way that you chose to shape your, your life and your career? Yeah. Um, well, let's see. I was like super, um, obese. It was like, I don't know, you know, like when you're younger and you're like a dude or whatever, um, you kind of get like push but it's like the normal like the cool people are the people who do like sports and they're like you really fit and stuff like that and like i couldn't really fit into that because i was like i was pretty heavy and i was like not very capable of like seeping up in that way and like there are a lot of ways in, in which early on like i tried but it never really panned out very well um and so i got to high school um and like um in the same way, I feel like it always happens. I was like into, I was like, you know, like into somebody and um, they were like, yo, I do this like theater tech thing after school, but you should come try it. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm so good. I love that. I'll be, I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> so I like started doing that. And I was like, no, this is actually kind of dope. Like we're like building thing. Like we're like, like really building things. And it was like very student run. Like there was like a supervisor but it was like the students design the sets, the students build the sets, the students paint the sets, the students do the lighting, they do the sound, they do this. So I got really into it in that way. And then, um, you know, like as sports didn't really pan out, um, I was like, oh, um, they needed like a like an assistant stage manager for like one of the shows. Uh-huh. And I was like, okay, well, I'm already doing like the tech stuff. And then that was kind of like on the other days, like rehearsal was like on the off day. So you do both. And I was like, I'll just do both. Like whatever. Um, so I did that. I really liked it. Um, and then that like slowly took me into being like the, like the guy. Like, mm-hmm. so like by the time I was like later on in high school, I was doing like all the stage managing and all the designing and kind of like leading up the build and stuff like that and doing like the primary brunt of like the having the primary brunt of the knowledge of like the lighting and the sound. And so like that kind of put me in that row and like, um, I kind of got to a point where it's like, I was like, I really like this. Like, what if I could do this? You know what I mean? Yeah. hundred percent. And then we had a director who I was like, I wanted to do this. And she was like super supportive of that. Um, and like, think it's like a sophomore or a junior or something she like retired and then was gone and then the new guy that they brought in was like super crazy and it like <laughs> kind of ruined it for me for a little bit but like i was like i want to do this so i i ended up like applying i was like supposed to go into like engineering and i was uh, like dang i hate this engineering what, what type of engineering did you have a specific focus or it was just kind of like it was kind of like general i felt like um 
that's like I had, you know, like smart friends and like that's what my like smart friends were gonna do is go be like shuds and ears. I think like like I had like three like really smart top of the class friends and like those are my like main group. I think they were gonna be at least two of them were gonna be engineers. So it was like they were gonna do engineering and like we would have like AutoCAD classes and stuff. And I was like good at that. So I was like, I guess that's what I'm supposed to do. But I didn't really like enjoy it like that. Yeah. And then, of course, like another full circle is like you go into like theater tech and like you're doing that, and, like, cat, <laughs> like a lot of cat, you know. Yeah. So, so you've been doing all the stuff, been learning a lot of different stuff in high school, and like you have to make an initial decision to get to college. Clearly, like you made a decision. You said stage management. So maybe just like you know, take us through a little bit what your path was in uh, trying to make this uh into your career and how you found your way to kind of the beginnings of a, of a career yeah i mean i think uh i applied to like six or seven colleges then like with the um like technical design like theater theatrical design whatever um degrees you had to go do like an in-person interview for all of them there's no the real like, oh, just like submit and huh. like all right we'll see so, like, um, I went to do the in-person interview for, like, six different places, I think. Um, and, I don't know, it was interesting. You meet, like, a lot of interesting people. It maybe, like, should have been my first sign where I was like, yeah, I don't know about this dog. But, like, was, um, was it just, like, not, you're, like, not quite my vibe kind of thing? It was, like, just so surprisingly elitist for someone coming from a background of like you know like i went to a public school we always had enough money but yeah. we weren't like loaded you know what i mean like never money wasn't really like an issue per se but it was like we're not just buying like cars to have cars or yeah. going on crazy trips to do like these insane insane trips in you know like rome or something and it's like that's kind of like vibe of like mm-hmm. a lot of the people that were going in and it was just like, it felt like particularly elitist. I mean, like, especially like NYU, you know, and I went to like interview at NYU and you're like, <laughs> you're like, Oh, I, I forgot my tie. Yeah. Like, and like, like, yeah, like you're dressed well, but you're not in like your Brooks brothers suit. And it's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, you're doing this interview and I'm like, well, like, why should we accept it? And they're like, well, I figured out how to do all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, but like, what's your, what's your like trait? Like, like, what do you mean? Uh, like your professional training and it's like dog it's one try to get that's why i'm here right you know what i mean right. so that was like a weird thing um because like i don't act like i don't know we have this director she's just like lives in the town they're like well what has she done it's like i, I don't know like community theater <laughs> like i don't know but like that doesn't mean she doesn't know what she's doing yeah you know what i mean and so it's like mm-hmm. that that was like a weird thing um i got into like most of them Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, I ended up going to purchase cause it was like totally free. It was full ride. That's amazing. So that was, I mean, huge. So that, so that was like, that was the entire decision. You were just yeah. like done. That's yeah. Like, it was like, you know, there were like, yeah, I, I also got into Emerson and I got into like Montclair. Yeah. Um, and those I like Emerson was like, I really wanted to go, but I was like, yeah, I do not have a hundred thousand dollars a year. Yeah, don't have that. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, so yeah, purchase was like a pretty easy decision and that it like seemed good enough. It was cool, seemed cool, and uh, <laughs> it was free. So I was like, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. And then 
Yeah. And then that's kind of like when the, the, you go in and like the first year I purchased was honestly pretty cool because um, they made you do like a, a round of everything. So there's like the five concentrations you have to do. Yeah. Like all five, like that seemed cool. Cause it looks very much about like trying all the different things and learning and then you can pick. Mm-hmm. So it was like, okay. And then you pick and then that's when the like, like hardcore, like, calcification like this is how you learn and this is the only thing you touch comes in mm-hmm. and like like the really weird thing about purchase i get it but i don't is that like their focus is on like making you like a quote-unquote like designer uh-huh. like they train you to be like the top of the top right to like emulate these like people who there's like 10 of them in the world you know what i mean and yeah. it's like there's six of us in this class. So odds are, you know, this is not going to be any of us. Like we're, none of us are really going to make it like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, there's tons of people who are hugely successful, who are not the top 10, like yeah. big name lighting designs in the world. Um, but at the same time, it's like, that's what they're training you for. Yeah. And anything, any aspirations of any position below that, even though it's not like actually like below, it's just viewed as below is like, not good you know what i mean like yeah. there were like people who were like i want to be a programmer that was like looked out upon people were like i really like being like an assistant or i really like being like the the like head installer of like the lighting plots and like that's like which is what i really liked and like yeah um, you like can't really admit that because it's like more or less than you're told like well that's not really what we're training you for so like why are you here did you have that knowledge going in? Like they never, there was never like a, a disclosure or a disclaimer when you were applying, but they're like, well, we train, here's exactly what our program is. It's kind of like you had to get into it and get to that point to find. And then they're asking you why you're here. You're like, because I need an educate, you know? Yeah. Like, it's, I mean, I'm sure that they were like, oh, well, we train lighting designers and you as like a child who has no knowledge of the industry deeply is like, yeah, I like lighting. <laughs> so you're like, that's perfect. You know, like, like you don't understand that they're meaning like in like an almost death cult way. Like I am. Oh, hey, we got cat. What's up, dude? Um, I swear I'm so nice. There <laughs> she goes. Goodbye. Um, but yeah, so it's like, you don't, they didn't lay it out in like a way where it's like, you have to understand here's seven tiers of positions and we are training you for like the top tier and like the rest of it is not really what we're looking for you to aspire to be. So fascinating. When presented with that, like what was your, do you remember what your initial reaction to that was? Was it like, shit, like, I I don't know if that's really what I want, but because that's the program, I'm just, I'm, I'm just going to do it. Was that kind of, it was exactly that. Yeah. Because I remember like, like I always really liked like tech and like stuff like that. Um, and I feel like, like my job now I consider like a perfect meld of design and technology. There you go. And the program was called design technology. <laughs> so you would think, that it is like actually and like they teach you the tech but like the thing is like that's not really the point of the program the point is like you like you need the tech as a tool to get to the end point mm-hmm. but it's not like a focus it's not like oh you're really interested in the tech let's teach you way more about the tech because that's your it's 
You know what I mean? Like it, there's yeah. not that um, flexibility of like, you know, like you can learn on your own. There was like, um, there's like one dude in particular, I can think of who was like a, a really good programmer. He yeah. knew like lighting consoles really well. He got into it. He, I think like learned on his own. He did some different like summer stock stuff. I think then he ended up being like a programmer at the Met, like very shortly wow. after he graduated. So it's like, you can do that. It's yeah. just like not the point mm-hmm. like you're not necessarily supported in that way like it is like sure you can do that on your own time because when you're here you're learning this yes you yes. know so as as you're dealing and starting to grapple with all of this what is your vision of like do you have a concept at this point of okay what is my career like how am i going to make money off of this and what what are some early I mean, because I, I think already just the discrepancy between our half of the generation, a part that we are, there was a different core consciousness, maybe. I mean, this is still pre-COVID, which we'll get right. to, but like, I think there was a different, um, maybe already a bit of a different cultural awareness of like, oh, I mean, this is going to have to translate into a job at some right. point. Whereas I think like, no one, I mean, maybe it was just because I wasn't in the States for my school and then living up there or living in Canada was like so subsidized and so easy. Uh, yeah. I mean, I talked about that a lot. Like if, if people are more interested in hearing about that experience, go back and listen to uh, episode four with Stephen Spencer, where we talk a lot about what Canada affords you and how my first rent was like $333 a month and how that can really support artists. Um, but you know, so I guess, I guess the question is, uh, as you're facing this and as you're coming to terms with this, what were your, some early experiences just in terms of you making money? And then what was kind of your vision of what your career was going to be? And is it just like, I'm going to try to work my way to the top, like they suggest? Um, I think so. I think it was like, I more just like wanted like experiences. And so it was like any job that was offered to me, I would say yes. Like, and like a lot of the time it's like, you're maybe not getting paid the best. I mean, even like, like you used to get jobs, you're getting paid like $50 an hour, but it's like in Jersey, you have to like take the train there. You like net lose buddy, <laughs> like to do it. But it was like an experience. And so yeah. I was like, I just want experiences. So anytime anybody was like, because, you know, like upperclassmen or recent graduates would be like, oh, I'm signing this show at this place. Like when you're looking for like overhire people. Um, and so kind of my thing was like, I would come in as a, just like a technician and mm-hmm. some lights, like run some wiring, but be really competent about that. Mm-hmm. And kind of like in that way, be able to support even the designer and the installer um, just in like kind of making their lives easy. Yes. And like, I really enjoyed that. And it was like weird because it's like, I felt like I had to push myself out of that in order to like keep moving forward. Because uh, it's like, it is, I mean, yeah, like reasonably, like if that's all I wanted to do in my first two years in the program, mm-hmm. I already learned all the things that I was going to learn to be able to do that. So I could have just stopped. So it's like, you know, it's even like a concept of like, um, like I had someone once tell me like, like I used to wear like hiking boots all the time. Cause I didn't spend a lot of time on our feet. You're like climbing around and stuff. 
yeah, I had somebody tell me, like, if you ever want to be a designer, you got to stop wearing hiking boots. You got to dress up a little more. It's like, no one's going to take you seriously. Yeah. And I was like, dude, you go to like work calls to like hang lights. And they were like, well, like, if you want to be more than this, you have to stop like saying yes to those calls. Mm-hmm. And then like, I always struggle with that because it's like, first of all, I need the money. Yeah. Like, I don't have the, the right. like luxury and the, um, uh, uh, privilege of like, just being like, yeah, I'm just not going to take those ones. You know what I mean? Especially that young. And yeah. You it, yeah. And they're like, well, you're going to get like stuck in that box, you know? And it's like, okay. You know, so that was always like a weird, like dichotomy of you're like, okay, well, I like this. Right. I enjoy it. Um, all the education I have, like beyond these two years is not advancing this at all. And furthermore, it's just like taking time away from like, like when I go to a job site, I would learn things. Right. And I'd be like, okay, I'm learning stuff. And I go to school and it's like, you are kind of learning stuff, but it wasn't really the things. Was it not the things that I wanted to be learning, but it was like, you have to learn it in this specific way. Uh-huh. And so, you know, it like kind of just created this weird void that I got to, which eventually then translated into like to accept with lasers. Um, well, exactly. And that's where, so, so in terms of like finding something, you managed to still find something that did resonate and was a bit of a niche. Yeah. That was pretty cool. So, so how did you find your way through toward, you know, that toward, toward lasers and toward something that's like, I mean, that's, it kind of is aligned with a lot of what you've been saying where it's, it's pretty new by compare. I mean, you know, people have done lighting shows conventionally, but trying to integrate like a new technology that has gotten really good recently. Yeah. Sounds like it would be right down, down your, uh, in your, in your tool belt or whatever the expression is. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so how did you find your way to that? And what did that lead to? So that was like, kind of an accident, but like a happy accident. I love that. Um, it was, I was working like a summer stock and they had like a really sketchy scaffolding. Um, and I was on the scaffold, like hanging lights and it broke while I was on it. The scaffold. Yeah. And I <laughs> fell off of it and I cracked a rib. And so I couldn't hang lights. Oh my God. Um, and then the lighting designer was like, yo, um, this like dude that I met, is like going to bring in lasers for us to use in this show. And someone has to like learn how to program them and like do make them do stuff. Cause I don't have time. Um, I was going to have this person do it, but you know, they can walk right now. So you can do it. I was like, oh, Dope. <laughs> oh <laughs> man. You just had to like so sit had in a chair and figure it out. So had you not fallen off the scaffold that day, you're yeah. You're like I wouldn't have, it would be shot really into it. Yeah. Wow. So, that was like a happy accident. Um, and uh, yeah. And so then for me, that was really good because no one, including the dude that rented. Well, I think actually the dude that rented them to us probably did actually. Well, actually, no, I don't think he knew how to like make them work with a lighting console. I feel like to make them work like yeah. way better than I did. But yeah. like the actual like integration into a lighting system and like how to make the console drive the lasers was not something that anyone around me really knew about, nor was it something you could easily find online. Mm. You could find like weird forums that you do like half of an answer that's like quarterly applicable to what you're trying to do. And so it was like a lot of like, okay, like I have to now go through and really understand 
like this is this protocol, this is this protocol, this is what this does, this is what this does, how do I integrate those protocols? And then yeah. actually like do some trial and error and like figure it out. And like that, like for me, it was perfect. That was like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like that was a really good role in being able to like then kind of be the programmer for those things. And the designer would be like, hey, want something that does this? And you'd like whip something up and you're like, what about this? And you like tweak it. Like that was like a great role for me. And it was good too, because um, that was something that was almost like, like obviously school wasn't the most happy about it. Cause you're not like, I'm doing a job as a lighting designer. Yeah. Like, cause that, like if anybody was doing a job as a lighting designer, it was like instant excuse. Like you don't have to be a classroom, you don't have to be a call to worry about it. That's so interesting, man. So yeah. they gave you a little more pushback than if you're like, Oh, sorry, I'm lighting designing the show. Well, they would give me a lot of pushback. Um, yeah, I was like, oh, I'm going to go be the master electrician, like the head installer for a show. That was like big pushback. Mm -hmm. But like with this like laser thing, it was kind of like the, you know, the lighting professor, he like did a lot of the Super Bowls and stuff. Sure. So he worked with lasers a lot. So there was kind of like an awareness that like, that's actually a really good skill. So they weren't like, oh, I'm so happy for you. But they were like, I guess you could go. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. It was like kind of like an undeniable, like good thing that it was like good enough that they couldn't be like, like a big enough opportunity that they couldn't be like, no, <laughs> you know? Wow. Yeah. So, so inherent in like grading and attendance and things like that, there's a, the hierarchy of what they're trying to create is embedded yeah. in that because they're like, well, if you're doing the thing that we're prescribing, you can miss class and you don't have to be, but like, right. if, yeah. if you don't fall into the exact vision of what we're trying to mold you into, like, even if it's in the industry and it seems like a good opportunity for you and it makes money and like, it is good for you. Like, oh yeah, exactly. It's like, it could be like a huge opportunity and it's like, well, we're not designing. So no, we need to learn how to design. Wow, man. Yeah. That is like, it's really interesting because it's very it's very different than, I mean, I, th I think if you're at a college, like maybe more something a little more like Berkeley school of music as a musician, there's, you know, John Mayer went to Berkeley, he's the most famous Berkeley grad who like didn't even finish the program. But like, there's, there's this kind of inherent, like, oh yeah, if you have a big tour, like you can go. But wh where I was like in our program, like there was never even, I just, I, yeah, I don't think there were kind of like, uh, there was any hierarchy of excuses. I think if you had a gig, you, you had a gig and you could figure it out, but there was no like vision. So it's really right. interesting to hear that like the program was so pointed that they, yeah. that, that just was there. I think that that's, that's really illuminating. Yeah. Um, it was very built in like that. Illuminating. Nope. No pun intended. Um, right. Oof. So, uh, so, so yes, yeah, so you got into lasers and then what was your first like big professional thing? So the show that, you know, I saw, which was Emoji Land off Broadway, was that like the first real big thing or did you have a couple of any experiences leading up to that, that kind of like got your feet wet with like uh, making it a job? Yeah, we did some summer stock stuff that like went incredibly well to like kind of like almost like we can test it and like build like a portfolio to then like for the designer I was working with to kind of like present to people like clients to be like, mm -hmm. look at what we can do. And then we had done like another show, not as big 
um, prior to that. And then, yeah, the like Emoji Land show was like the biggest one. Yeah, that was like very funded off Broadway. Yeah. Stuff. So, okay. So here's where it gets interesting. So just to talk about this structurally, you found a new niche for yourself. How did you negotiate like getting paid to do that? Because the thing is, when there are preconceived, like, oh, you're this role on a show, they're like, well, we look at our budget and we're like, oh, well, for that, we have this. But now you're like bringing something new where you're like, not only do we have lights, we have this whole new, like, magical thing that nobody really knows about that's going to like add a special sauce to this. But like, was there a separate budget for lasers? Did they, um, break it out of the lighting, they just increased the lighting budget. I know there was also like, there's like some weird proprietary stuff and there was like a training you had that wasn't there like some stuff. If you just want to talk about like the logistics of like, I mean, if you want to divulge like what you got paid for a big show like that or like what, and, and like how, how that broke down. So I think it's interesting when you're negotiating something new or something right. different that people aren't necessarily used to in any field. It's like, a, did you feel, because you're still pretty young at this point, did you feel like you had any leverage uh, or just like, how, how, do you, how do you even go about that negotiation process? I think it's really interesting. Um, yeah, I am already core got taken advantage of. <laughs> <laughs> I got taken for a ride for sure. Um, it was like, I don't know, I think, um, so yeah, lasers are regulated by, if they're indoors, the FDA. That is, if they're, the, the, F, the food and drug yeah administration right because like usually they're like medical or whatever <laughs> like the fda oversees like like lasers that they use for like lasik eye surgery or that's whatever. so crazy this is like bureaucracy yeah weird shit yeah, where like, like why is that the fda correct and so and then if they're outside it's the faa that's that makes place. sense though yeah that one i that one <laughs> could get locked down a plane so like yeah i get that but um and so basically, yeah, there's like a training that's held by, it's called like FILDA, um, International Laser Display Association. Sure. Um, and it's like, it is like the people who like wrote the book on like all the protocols for laser. Like they made, like they literally like made all of this, like all the programs they like took part in like writing, like it is like the the like old dogs of the industry who like basically created it you know so cool um and it's actually like in practice super lame but like (laughs) i mean sure it's like a bunch of old dudes in a hotel but like they're cool they were i mean they were all super nice guys you know they were all like very kind to us so um so you get like certified okay and then Basically, yeah, you go through like a, a two-day safety training. You take uh-huh. a test. If you pass the test, um, then like you get certified, and it's like a lifetime certification. Um, wow, which is not good. Like, no, that's, like, not it's, good. It's, that's not good at all. Yeah, like it's it's personally, you're like, oh, thank God, I'm good. But it's like the people who took this test 20 years ago, now that all the technology is 1,000 percent different, are still certified in addition to do it. Is this a certification from the FDA? It's through from ILDA. It's it's from ILDA that is recognized by some states, but not all of them. So they're their own certification. So they're like, you're good. Like there's no like oversight per se. They're their own oversight. Yes. And so basically like 
It depends. Like, you know, I live in Connecticut now. Connecticut um, doesn't care. <laughs> like, you can do whatever you want. You don't have to wear a helmet if you're riding a motorcycle. You, I know. Yeah. I learned that, like, like two years into living there. When I was like, why does no one wear a helmet here? Yeah, no, Connecticut's, like, weirdly lawless. Yeah. Know, maybe it's a horse thing. I don't know. It's, like, weirdly lawless, but also, like, a blue state. So, I'll take it. You know? <laughs> but, like, um, yeah. So, um they like don't care. Like they're like, don't hit a plane and you're fine. Like you'll like five. So, okay. This is the structure of it is you have to get like a variance. Um, sure. Any usage of a laser is like inherently illegal. <laughs> and so a variance is like a variation of the law that says that you can't do this. That like approved you to do it under certain very specific circumstances that sure. you know, detail, layout, graph and submit. Gotcha. And so they're like, you can use, this specific laser with this specific zero number under this amount of power for this long at this time for this duration in this place in this way. Wow. And so it's like, that is like the variance, like application process. Connecticut, you submit it. And like the next day, the dude's like, sure. Have fun. Don't hit a plane. <laughs> uh, uh, I assume New York on 42nd street is insane. Yeah. It's like, yeah. it's not just like, so you have to like go through, um, Connecticut, you just go through this, like the state government and that like kind of trumps all of it. Good. New York, you have to go through the state government. You get recognized by the state government. You bring that to the New York city government. And they're like, we don't really believe in that. And you're like, okay, dope. And so then the city government has their own process, which you have to do it all again. And they send out an inspector who's like, he's like the, the like city inspector. It's like the same dude that like looks at like, carnival rides and like the food stands and like like just the general like safety city inspector and so he like doesn't re- he doesn't like know the rules he doesn't know what he's looking at he's just like i don't like it and you're like what can i do to make you like it you gotta put up some signs so we like draft a sign and he's like the sign looks a little too pretty you have to put up like a caution like laser radiation like industrial sign or like dog we're gonna have like an audience here like we're gonna have like like paying customers who are like, like aren't going to understand that like laser radiation is like the same thing as like, like obviously you could blind people. It's like, so don't shine it in their eyes. Yeah. But like, we're not that stupid, you know? Um, but like, like the general radiation that comes out of a laser is like the same equivalent to like you walking outside in direct sunlight for one second. Right, right. Like, it sounds like really scary, and it sounds like a warning. And you're like, it's just that's yeah. Just it's like you small. sitting in a room where lasers on is like the same again as like walking in like for I think it's you sitting in a room with lasers on for like two or three hours, like something yeah. that's a very long duration of them constantly on, like full blast, not on you, but just in the room mm-hmm. is the same as like walking outside for like a second. And people don't understand that, so they just see a, a crazy sign. So it, it just turned into this like huge bureaucracy thing where yeah. it's like, we'll have some of the crazy signs and some of the pretty signs. So we'll put the crazy signs here and the pretty signs here. And like and we had to like play this like weird like checkers game where like we move the signs around and then the dude comes in and he's like, I I, I like it, but I want that one a little more over there. And then he like, he like pretends he's like a customer, like coming up the stairs and he's like, I'm looking around and I just don't see it enough. And you're like, dude, like what? Let's just zoom out for a sec. You went to school to like. 
be a lighting designer. And now here you are like engaging with the industry in the way that you've come to it. And your job at this point in order to do your job is like placating a city inspector. Yeah. Like this is the kind of stuff that is just mind blowing to me. Yeah. Because people really don't, I don't realize this stuff because you don't need a permit to play the piano. Right. But like this is happening all over where there's like, there's just so many inherent roadblocks to like makes, especially like if you're in New York city. Yeah. But just like all over the country, there's just, there's just stuff that happens where if you want, you know, there's licensing, there's this, there's that, there's all these things that move in the background until you hear the stories. You're like, that's ridiculous. You didn't go to school to be a policy maker and someone who's trying to engage with right. government of like weird government safety officials. But here you are. Right. And no one's ever going to sit you down in like government safety 101 and be like, so like, if you're going to go down this path, like, I, yeah, it's, it's just it, what a crazy thing that that turned into where you're like to pursue this. We have to chuck through these hoops. Yeah. And it, it like it hits a certain point where we're almost like I wish we just did it illegally and took the slap on the wrist after. Interesting. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And like the amount that like, I mean, I don't know. You probably wouldn't get like, like this. I mean, we were kind of talking about this earlier. We're like, you never want to be in a position where you could get sued. And you definitely, if you did it that way, you could get sued. So like the high profile. like that. Yeah. So like not worth it. But at the end of the day, it's like, it, it's just like teetering. I'm like, I almost wish I just like did it. And then like took a slap on the wrist if it came. Man. So how much did you get paid? So, so you went through this whole process and then you designed a show and the show was beautiful and like so so cool and really striking and really like achieved what it wanted to achieve with lasers and i think it you know it was a new experience as a theatrical audience member where i was like that is really striking that is really exciting and adding to the feeling of like ox digital and we're we're inside the computer man like yeah it feels like right there with you it was very humble over you yeah i thought it it was effective in that it was effective so you still got to be an artist you still got to like help with the design of it but yeah so like you jump through all these hoops you do all the shit like what was how did you get paid do that and i got paid like 2500 bucks for like oh it was like a month of like all day everyday work um like seven days a week you know and then the the really fun part too is the certification that i got mm-hmm. was like a it was like a 1300 dollar class and now i have to go to the conference in florida so that's like another you know a couple hundred bucks round trip on flights you have to stay there hotel and no one paid for that um uh, actually i think the because i went with the desire that i worked with he paid for the hotel so um, okay so you pay for the hotel but you pay for for the class and for the flights and stuff because that yeah. in the industry which is like a huge thing of the industry is like that's viewed as like your own personal investment right so you can then like because in theory they're like oh well you're gonna you should pay for the certification for yourself because then you're gonna use it for yeah. all these other things and it's like I don't know. It kind of sounds like you wanted me to do this job that I need certification for. What have you paid for it? Um, right. So, right. Yeah. I got a, like, if you break it down, it was like, I don't know, like a dollar an hour or yeah. something like crazy like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Actually, that'd be pretty. Yeah. Cause it'd be like 250 hours, you know, like, or 
Yeah, but I mean, hour. still, like, re- regardless of what it is, it's under. Yeah, it's like it's way not a lot, and I just got paid as like a blanket thing. Yeah. Um, and so I don't know. It was like that was kind of rough, but it was like, well, because that's a, like another huge part of the industry is it's almost like the opportunities that are presented as bigger pay less money. Because it's like almost like a social media where it's like, yes, you don't get paid because you get free clout. And it's like, yes. Yes. Yeah, so now I mean, that's that. not how like human rights work. You know what I mean? <laughs> like that, or it shouldn't be. No. Um, no. So yeah, it's like a bigger opportunity yields less money because you got to put your nail on something big. And it's like, yes. Especially when you're like, yeah. especially there's so much ageism too, where like, you, I mean, were you still a senior at college or were you done? Point? Right. So, I mean, like as a college kid, it's like, okay, it's a paycheck. It's something. And thank God you were like on a, you had a free ride to school and whatever. Yeah. yeah I mean, if you're trying to be out here and you're paying lump and you're racking up student debt, you're responsible for paying your own stuff. Yeah. By the time, what, what money do you have to go to a conference and like get a certification? What, what time do you have if you're working? You know, it, it sucks to hear yeah. that. Like, had you been working a restaurant job to like do it had you needed to you it would have been so much more complicated to like reach the point where you were able to get a certification right which, which has opened so many cool doors for you yeah so and it's yeah and it's like at the end of the day i like lost money on it because it's like right okay you make 2500 bucks mm-hmm. you um lose let's say even like super uh, reserved fifteen hundred on on the travel and the certification itself. So you profited a thousand dollars. Okay, well it was like you know three four weeks of like yeah backbreak back yeah of just like traveling every day. Um, you know obviously like the subway isn't like crazy expensive but it's not cheap. Yeah. Um, and then food because if you're working you know eighteen twenty hours a day every single day you can't meal prep. Yeah. Um. So it, it's just like by the time you get to the end of that, it's like, okay, well, this just replaces all the debt that I created for myself, more or less, yeah. for the most part. And you have your name on saying you need a certification, which is kind of like what you walk away with. Right. So, okay. So let's, let's fast forward. So pandemic, obviously, how did it and And then basically between then and now, you've, thankfully found yourself in you know a different a slightly different path so i guess just talking about i i think about pandemic a lot in terms of how it affected every kind of age bracket differently like clearly like i I had enough experience under my belt that like it sucked and it like i lost everything but you know i made some connections for that because i've been working for eight or nine years or at least um, so just, you know, what was the kind of feeling and what you, I mean, obviously we spent a lot of the beginning of it together, right. um, but just, and then, and then you kind of found a path and have just made it work and, uh, not just career wise, but also with like, I mean, just what you're saying about, about running and also you experienced something recently that, uh, you know, was a pretty big setback. So I think may- maybe just like from pandemic forward, anything that sticks out in your mind as how you arrived where you've arrived and what, what you've kind of learned along the way. Yeah. I think like, um, you know, uh, graduating into the pandemic 
as I said earlier, as much as that's like a negative, I am glad that I was graduating because I would have dropped out. Like I would, and I don't think I would have gone back to school because I was like, like, I think when you asked earlier, like, what did you do? And you realized that this was not taking you like down the path that you like really wanted to. And you already like learned everything that you were going to learn to be able to do it. And it's like, really, you know, I was like two years in. The one I kind of like had that realization, I was like, I'm halfway there. I just got to get through it. Yeah. But had I like had the pandemic happen and then I had like a year or a semester of school left after I would have stopped. Like I couldn't have done it. Uh-huh. Um, and that I wouldn't have gone back because I would have been like, dude, we're already de- like, I'm, I'm out of it at this point. I can't like continue. The momentum is gone. Right. Exactly. Um, exactly. So I, I stopped uh, or so I, I finished. Right. Um more or less because they couldn't fail you because I was just so stunted by like fear, you know, I was like full stunt locked that I was just like, dude, like this, I like felt like I just kind of started to get into it. I just did like a bigger thing. I like had some stuff coming up. Emoji Land was like going to go on tour. There were at least talks of like two different tours that were like, uh, not like confirmed, but like in the process. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And it's just like, it all went away and i was like well i don't really know what we do now i didn't i didn't get like any work done like and they the other crazy thing too is they were like like they they call this all into an auditorium like they're like covid is happening let's all come together to tell you that you're getting kicked off campus and you have to leave um no way by the end of the week sucks Oh <clears throat> yeah. But this like the craziest part is like, it wasn't like an email that wasn't like they called you, they reached out. It wasn't like they brought in like smaller groups at a time. It's like whole program all like, I mean, again, the whole program was like maybe 120 people at most, but it's like, okay, all of you come into an auditorium. And I think they said just like Delson next to each other. So a couple of seats apart. I was like, Hey, yeah. Which I mean, okay. To be fair, not a lot of people knew exactly what was happening at the time. Yeah. I don't think it was malicious. It was no, irresponsible. Yes, for sure. Um, we came off campus. Um, thankfully I wasn't living on campus, so that didn't affect me. Yeah. Um, but you know, um, and I just, and then I'm like in my apartment, my apartment mate, um, his family wants him to come home. So he leaves. So I'm alone. And I'm like waiting just to kind of finish school. At that point, I had like talked with you guys. I was going to come like meet you guys. Um, yeah. You guys were like going down to Cape Cod. I just like needed to finish school first or else I like really wouldn't have even like made the calls. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, and so I suffered through, didn't get a lot done. They weren't allowed to fail us. So I like technically still passed, which I am thankful for that awareness that it's like, they can't like that. They were, they were trying to like still give us a bunch of work and act like we would be capable of doing that. And I just was like, so emotionally. That's so indicative though. It's so indicative that yeah. I found this too, that against like global endemic, whatever thing at first, and then becomes pandemic. And, and so the way of doing things is so ingrained. Yeah. That even facing the actual thought that like, you know, I remember in April, 2020, there was that daily episode that they're like the fastest we've ever come up with a vaccine before is four years. And I remember that was the first point where I was like, Oh, this is we're like, we're, we're in this. Yeah, this is not a good time. And so, like, even with that, everyone being like, no, 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 like, you got work to do. And they're like, and you're like, there's no, there's no, not only there's no jobs, there's no industry. Right. And that's just like, man, that's just people like so caught in the loop. 
Yeah, that, that's crazy. And it's like, yeah, like we're in college. And it's like now, like, first of all, not only did I have like my like feet, like just dipped into the industry, we're in college learning an industry that like doesn't exist right now. And they're like, well, it's going to come back. And it's like, is it? And will it be the same? Will yeah. it, you know what I mean? Like you're not, te- you're teaching us for what this was and this like reasonably, like, you know, you could, if you take yourself out of a little bit, understand that though it may come back similarly, it will never be the same. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it is never going back to that point because it like, that's just not how things work. You don't just like reset right back to like throughout zero. I mean, like, well, I mean, that's a bigger conversation. Yeah. I think that like when everyone was hemorrhaging enough money that the industry did quote unquote come back in late 2021, I think it's, I mean, it's a little weird, man. I'll just be the first to say that there is this very strange, like, elephant very much in the middle of the room where it's as if, it is as if that everybody wanted it to come back exactly the way it did. And are like, essentially forcing a lot of it to do that. And there are these weird cracks where you see that it's not quite behaving the way that people want it to. Yeah. It's like audiences. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, people like there's a report that like audiences are like rowdy and disrespectful in a totally way. And like, and everyone's like, what could it possibly be? And you're like, what you're like, yeah. Like, what did you think? What do you, (laughs) what do you think? What do you think that we just collected? Exactly. I think that image of like, yeah, there's just like this big wound and they're like, yo, we got like a Flintstones uh, okay. show. Yeah. And it's like, that is that. Yeah. You're right. There's a whole separate conversation that I experience a lot of work now where it's like, people don't want to learn, like don't want to take like the actual applicable lessons that COVID taught us and apply them and use that let's go in advance let's go there let's go there now so like like what are ways in which you're seeing that manifest um okay so for instance we there's a there's a bunch of colleges there's like five that like we service and um we have like i was telling you about these really high-end hybrid conferencing rooms to the point where it doesn't feel like you're sitting and like you're standing in a room in front of a laptop on zoom and like you can't connect with people it's like you can have people in person you know, the the speaker, they have like their own wireless mic. There's a mic that like Vogel tracks around the room. There's a camera, sometimes two cameras. So you can see the class and you can see the speaker, the camera's tracking the speaker. Wow. Um, you know, you have the people on Zoom on a display and then you have speakers in the room. So they come back into the room. You have this like whole noise canceling matrix. So when their voice comes back into the room, it doesn't feed back into the right. Mic. Right. And it, it makes it like really seamless integration to the point where it's like, you can reasonably have people on hold and you can reasonably have people there and they're getting the same education. They're getting a similar experience. They're able to connect They're, You know what I mean? Like it's a really good system. Sure. Um, and colleges basically were like, Hey, we're going to rip all that out because we're making everybody come back to campus now. Do you want to buy it for like resale? Like to like be no way. Yeah. They're trying to undo the Wow. Yeah. So basically they were like, first of all, we'll pay you to come install it. But like, second of all, do you want to like buy it at like, like basically like whatever, you know, like wholesale used rate is because we know you'll resell it, like stuff like that, which for us is great because I mean, there's manufacturing issues. So I mean, it's not great in that people are doing it, 
it's great in that there's manufacturing issues. All right. We can get our hands on like two year old technology, sell it as B stock. It like works perfectly. Yeah. Like, you know, it's barely ever and like still be able to, you know, keep the business going off that whenever we can't get a hold of products. So that part is for us good, but it's like, you could have kept like you, like, why would we transition back into a fully in person thing? Why would we not? Keep it so like if you're a student, like I have like severe, severe, severe anxiety. I am on like literally the max dosage of uh, anxiety <laughs> medication that's like legally allowed. It is insane. Um, <laughs> but so like if you're someone like me, like it would have been great if I could have had that experience, even just like two days a week. So it's like I am only in person three days a week and right. two days a week. I can be in like a space that's calm and I can like kind of collect myself and like. Yeah, go back into my shell, like recharge. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like, just like somebody's sick. Somebody's like, you know what I mean? Like, you make the excuse all the time, or like you say to people, "Oh, like you you had the flu, you missed too many classes, you fail now." Yeah, and it's like that wouldn't be an issue if you allow, like, if you have protocols. For, if we learn from this, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, there are just like things at which, like, going to the movies. It's like now there was like the whole. I mean, the the like the answer for all of this is like death cult capitalism but it's like it's like going to the movies because it's like you know all these things were on streaming platforms and yes. then and it was like a split release and i understand some people feel that it's better as a theatrical release sure but now it's like everything is back to it's either in the theaters or it's like a netflix movie and right. there's no real in between the positives is that like netflix movies have a lot more traction now they're not just like Oh, those bad Netflix. Right, right, right. But the downside is like, why didn't we keep doing that for the moment? Like, why didn't that get normalized? Because like, there are people like, again, me, or just like people who don't want to go to the movie theater um, for whatever reason. They're sick. They can't, but they want that experience, you know? I, you know, don't like being around people. So sometimes I don't want to go to the movie theater. You know what I mean? It's like whatever reason for that, why would you not like try to extend this art or in a college circumstance, this knowledge or whatever? Like, why do we have to like barrier this beyond, um, you know, like put like extra barriers on top of like access to things? Mm. And it's like we learned from COVID how we can not do that. We learned how to like not create these weird access barriers to everything. Yeah. And then now it's like over and we're like, let's just put them all back. They were all terrible. Well, let's just put them all back. Yeah. I mean, I think that the craziest thing is that there's also this belief that somehow there won't be another pandemic of like that, that like that we finally had a system that seemed like somewhat future proof. It sucks in some ways and it takes getting used to, but like, once again, you can't put the cat back in the bag. You can't actually force everyone to come back in. Or if you do people's livelihoods, like people move to, you know, coastal God knows where and are living like in solitude going commute, commuting digitally to work. And now you're like, well, we got to be back in Washington and DC. Right. I just bought a house. Yeah. And I can't do that. And either I have to sell or rent my house and like lose money or I have to find another job, but there's no jobs here because I'm in the middle of nowhere. Right. So I I think it presents a really interesting issue. It's just kind of like this 
Yeah, it just feels like there's a big conversation that like we never had, and and there's this will to just wish it away. Um, otherwise, that aside, in terms of like what you do now, you I mean, you found your, your, your salary. It's like you, you have a job. Yeah. So and and what is the actual title of like what is your actual responsibility at the moment? Uh, at the moment, I'm the. Uh, technical sales manager or lead sales representative for the company. Um, yeah. Which is like kind of what I do kind of not, I don't necessarily like the sales term because it feels inherently like you're going to take advantage of somebody. And yeah. that is like one reason that we like struggle as a company, but like things are a little bit, we're more expensive and things are like harder for us is like, because we're a small business, you know, Mm -hmm. like I said, like we expanded from having like six people to like 22 now. Um, and, but like, that's still small. It's like our competitors have like over 500 employees and they're like New Jersey based. Yeah. I think small business, I like, I think the small business definition is for sure under 500. I think the small business loan might go up to 2,500 people. I think that still qualifies as a small business. When people talk about like, Oh, the SBA, Right. I mean, I think like this is another aspect. It's like, yeah, it's, it's like 22 people is like, you know, it's like small business. And so uh, we really try to take care of people. You know what I mean? And so it's like, if, uh, so basically my job responsibility is we do high end AB systems, we do lighting, we do audio, we do digital signage, we do uh, data systems, we do video, like we do video walls like we do like everything kind of from top to bottom for the most part yeah um, from like the hybrid rooms i was talking about to like like i said like concert venue video walls pas lighting systems stuff like that so um my job is basically to go meet clients like potential clients um, yeah see their space and talk about like basically what their needs are what their budget is and come up with a design that kind of fits that with like what is going to be a really effective, reliable, user-friendly long-term. Um, and so I feel like this sales connotation in what a lot of other companies do, we talked about this a little bit earlier too, yeah. is like, they just like sell you stuff. They're like, yeah, we can make an extra, like, you know, thousand dollars on this. So we'll just throw this weird lanyard in there. And it's like, <laughs> why do you like, yeah, like what, you know, yeah, you're not looking out for like, there's no, there's no middle ground between like, Hey, you're a customer. Like we want to do you well, but we also money. There's just like, Oh yeah. And like, still pay that. Yeah. And like, like, I mean, uh, you know, my boss, um, looks at like every design I do and he's like, how do we make this cheaper? Yeah. And I'm like, dude, I don't know. Like we're like, we're, we're, we're working it pretty thin here. And he's like, we got to do this for that. And it's like that, obviously for the company, like sometimes it's difficult. Yeah. But like, I, that's, that's one of the reasons I love working there is because like, I know at the end of the day, being like his heart, he's like trying to take care of people. And yep. that makes me feel not bad about it. You that's, know? That's, that's so awesome, man. And I think I just want to point something out. And then this is like kind of where we can, start wrapping up toward because I think this really speaks to who you are and just there's a lot to learn from your story here. I mean, already with everything said, I think it's a really crazy journey that you've had and like you're still like in your mid-20s, which is unbelievable. Like I can't wait to see where this goes. But like 
literally like by the time I was in my mid twenties, like I didn't know it. I had, I had no idea at all about anything, but that's not, about, it just doesn't matter. But, uh, the way you found yourself into this particular job was like very weirdly analogous to the way you found your way into lasers. Yeah. That, like, because you didn't start as like the sales and design guy, you started like physically like doing the physical installs and yeah. labor. And then like you had the craziest fucking thing that I've ever, ever heard happen to you. And it's like, it's almost like, like looking back now at your story, it's like the macro version of what got you into like the laser yeah. field. It's like the macro now. So like, can you, just, it. can you just talk a little bit about like what happened? And, and this is the most incredible story of what happened this year. Yeah. Basically the only thing that I remember is hearing distant, like motorcycle sounds, uh, and then waking up in the hospital at like nine o'clock the next morning, not really knowing who I was, where I was like, what was going on? So um, scary. And basically long story short, um, after a while they had found like banks, they had subpoenaed like bank security footage that showed that basically I'd gotten in like somebody came up on the sidewalk behind me with a dirt bike ran over me more or less. And then they proceeded to just like beat the living like out of me for like 20 minutes and then robbed me. But it was like weird because they were like, no, they're like trying like they thought you were dead when they left because like, they beat me for like, I was already knocked out and they beat me for apparently like 20 minutes straight. It's the craziest thing. And like the photos, I remember you posted that photo. Yeah. Like, like what? Like the <sighs> side of my face was like bloodied and like massive. And my eye was like swollen shut. Um, and then received improper healthcare treatment in North Carolina where they said that I was fine. Um, then they made me walk on a pelvis that I would eventually find out was like shattered and broken. And they just told me that like my, my hip was bruised. Oh my God. <laughs> I can only imagine. And so the craziest part about this whole story is you're like, you've reconstructed yourself to the point where you just ran, uh, you and it was an ultra marathon. Um, yeah. So basically like I, uh, I was just like laid up for like six weeks, like, which was like the worst. I just like, was like completely immobilized for like six weeks. Couldn't really do anything at all. Um, and then early January of this year, um, I got cleared to run and return to work. So at work, um, basically it was actually kind of the same where my boss was like, I don't know what you're going to do. Cause like, you can't yeah. like, I like, I literally, I used to not be able to like touch my, like this didn't work. Like I didn't have dexterity. I couldn't bend my arm or that. But I like couldn't use my like dominant hands. Like I had trouble writing for like wow. until I like went through like PT. It's like OT patient therapy yeah, yeah, yeah. for like six months. And so he was like, I don't know what we're going to have you do, but we're going to do something. So I went back into work um, and um started getting involved kind of just like in like the sales and like kind of like quoting and designing process because you're really behind on that i could use a mouse yeah and um you know like a spreadsheet nerd so i wrote all this like custom scripting into google sheets and like created like a software for us that like pulls numbers and does like calculations and then running um yeah i was like 
like fully, I had signed up for all these races like prior. Um, I was supposed to run in May a 50 mile ultra marathon. I signed up for um, six different Spartan races kind of all over the country. I had signed up for two different half marathons. I had signed yeah, up yeah. for, I got deferred from, cause I went into surgery on my pelvis the day I was supposed to run the marathon that I was training for. That's it's just like kind of really sad that like really that, that was a, that we took a hit. That was a, a couple months of therapy right there. Oh, but yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. um, so yeah. And then, and then a marathon, um, and, um, yeah. And I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to do it. And we're going to make it happen. Oh man. Um, and actually the funny thing about that is I saw very recently that like a kind of larger study came out that like correlates like, um, endurance athletes to like extreme trauma. <laughs> and I was like, well, there it is. Yeah, man. Wow. I mean, when I heard all of this, I, wasn't surprised, but I was also just like, <laughs> I don't we got to wake up and talk. Marty is asleep. Treatment. Um, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't believe that story. It feels like it's like a fever dream. I, I mean, I think the, the, the ups and the downs that you've already been through, like, sounds like you're like writing a memoir and you've like been doing this for 50 years. And like, it, it, it's really crazy. And I just want to point out how, I mean, you, all of your work that I've ever seen and that we've ever, you know, had the pleasure of collaborating on anything like, you know, you do amazing work. Um, I, I, I know that like, they're really lucky to have you. And I just, I'm, I, it's fascinating to me that like, no matter, no matter what your will was at any point, there was just like, there have been so many forces outside of yourself that have kind of like redirected you to find what, how you found what you found. And I'm just like really grateful that you're in a place where like you, you're doing the thing that's kind of the synthesis of everything you've yeah kind of ever wanted to do. And it just took, it took you being pointed there through the craziest possible right. means I've ever heard. Yeah. Like, like getting like forced there almost literally, like, literally it's like, you couldn't have willed yourself to any of this. At yeah. all, you weren't on those paths right. until you had to deal with what you dealt with, and you just like you did. You picked yourself up and you kept that will going, and like the fact that you were able to reconstruct yourself to run an ultra marathon that quickly after being like yeah, like four months, it's crazy. It and is. so, and so, I just kind of want to wrap up and say, like, I think it's really inspiring. I think. um Man, I'm just like, it's really a testament. I think we could all learn something from just like what that is to, to just continue forward with control, you know, looking at what is, what is within my grounds, what can I control at a certain moment? And when things happen that are outside of that, we just reevaluate, you know, like, how can yeah. I, how can I move forward? What can I do? How can I be useful? And how can I make uh, a positive impact on myself and on other people? And like, I, I need, man it's crazy the degree to which you do that yeah so um i just think yeah oh i was just gonna say i think to like full circle it do it um the the something that like plays into it a lot is like just that i always liked new challenges and to learn something new yes and it kind of like comes from that you know what i mean it's like okay 
this is a new challenge. I have to relearn to walk. I have to, and like right now, honestly, like the physical aspect is like the least, I don't know, concerning pressing factor. Like, I feel like that's kind of, it's getting there again. You know, that's kind of back. Obviously that's like a huge mental aspect that is going to take so much longer than that. to. So you're doing it. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and so that's like, kind of like the thing is it's just like, it's a new challenge. And I think a lot of times, like we talked about, especially people coming from the entertainment industry, you get calloused into these specific spots that you don't like, you just like don't apply yourself outside of it because like, that's what you're comfortable with. And that's what you get pushed into. And yes. even like in a lot of just like general workplaces as well, or whatever, like in just society, yes. you get put in a box and you stay in that box, because that box is comfortable. And it is like, not, um, it's like frowned upon to go outside of the box. You know what I mean? Like it is like you, you face so much pushback going outside of the box. And I think like everybody is capable of literally anything they want, you know, like to a degree. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's really just about, for me now it's about like finding that limit and just like continuing to find the limit and then push through it and Mm -hmm. then find the new limit. But I think just in general, you know, like the, the takeaway from it is like, that you know like you people should just like uh welcome new challenges and like really face like because it can suck but like think of like how much you learn that and how much you how much you learn from that how much you grow from that and how much you come out the other side better and so just like instead of looking at it and being like well that's that it's like welcome the challenge and like take care of it you know yeah yeah, and I think, if, I think if more people were willing to engage with challenge and with things that are viewed as roadblocks or things that like aren't necessarily in their control and just approach it with that kind of like readiness and intensity and focus and kind of like grace in a way, I, th- I think we would all be better for it because then people would be, people would be working to, to identify what boundaries need to be pushed and how we need to, to move forward. Yeah, so... Dude, I mean, I can't thank you enough for talking about your life and just kind of shedding some light on some some really cool aspects of like what a career, you know, that you couldn't have you couldn't have predicted that, oh right. yeah, like this is where this is where I ended up. But you're like in the perfect thing and synthesizes kind of what you've been doing forever. So I think it's it's very cool. Well, and um yeah, thank you. Yeah, man. I really appreciate you being here. Thanks so much. And uh is there anything cool that uh you have coming up that you're excited about in terms of like you're running, you're running a race. I think that's where where we leave it. Yeah. I'm doing this, um, this seven day stage race from like one side of the Pyrenees mountain range to the other, basically from village to village. So you go there, you run like a marathon a day ish, some are longer, some are shorter, um, through the Pyrenees mountains every day. And, Man, they like house you, they feed you, you get like massages after. I mean, you're literally like running through the mountains for like eight to ten hours a day. So dude, it's it's a lot. But it's like think of like how pretty that is and how much of like a I don't know, like freeing and amazing experience it is to like not even be like, oh, I like traveled that. I like, you know, we like flew or we like drove from like village to village and checked all the mountains. Like I ran that, like I took myself there physically. Yes. And I saw everything in between. So I'm super excited about that. That's such a cool metaphor for just kind of the way you've lived your life. So thank you again for being here. Yeah, thank you. And uh, we will talk to you soon. So.
All right. Thanks. Thank you again to this week's guest, Xavier Boyer. What an inspiring story. I think about this story all the time, anytime I'm faced with something difficult in life. We have an amazing couple guests lined up for you for the next few weeks. Please, if you like what you're hearing, share with friends, like, subscribe, review. I am not doing this for any profit. This is a labor of love, and there will never be ads on this podcast. I hope you continue to tune in, and we will see you next week. Thank you so much. I'm Dan Garman. This is Taken Off the Ritz.